0: The right of succession to the crown of England, Scotland, France, and Ireland, with the dominions and territories thereunto belonging, did legally descend and devolve upon the most illustrious and high born Prince James, Duke of Monmouth, son and heir apparent to the said King Charles II. It had moved him to laughter, as had the further announcement that James, Duke of York, did first cause the late King to be poisoned and immediately thereupon did usurp and invade the crown. He knew not which was the greater lie, for Mr. Blood had spent a third of his life in the Netherlands, where this James Scott, who now proclaimed himself James II, by the grace of God, King, etc., first saw the light some six and thirty years ago, and he was acquainted with the story current there of the fellow's real paternity, far from being legitimate by virtue of a pretended secret marriage between Charles Stuart and Lucy Walter, it was possible that this Monmouth, who now proclaimed himself King of England, was not even the illegitimate child of the late Sovereign. What but ruin and disaster could be the end of this grotesque pretension? How could it be hoped that England would ever swallow such a Perkin? And it was on his behalf to uphold his fantastic claim that these West Country clods led by a few armigerous Whigs, had been seduced into rebellion. Crow, crow, Celeste Ruitus. He laughed and sighed in one. But the laugh dominated the sigh, for Mr. Blood was unsympathetic, as are most self-sufficient men, and he was very self-sufficient. Adversity had taught him so to be. A more tender-hearted man, possessing his vision and his knowledge, might have found cause for tears in the contemplation of these ardent, simple, nonconformist sheep going forth to the shambles, escorted to the rallying ground on Castle Field by wives and daughters, sweethearts and mothers, sustained by the delusion that they were to take the field in defense of right, of liberty, and of religion. For he knew, as all Bridgewater knew, and had known now for some hours— that it was Monmouth's intention to deliver battle that same night. The Duke was to lead a surprise attack upon the Royalist army under Feversham that was now encamped on Sedgemoor. Mr. Blood assumed that Lord Feversham would be equally well informed, and if, in this assumption, he was wrong, at least he was justified of it. He was not to suppose the Royalist commander so indifferently skilled in the trade he followed. Mr. Blood knocked the ashes from his pipe, and drew back to close his window. As he did so, his glance, travelling straight across the street, met at last the glance of those hostile eyes that watched him. There were two pairs, and they belonged to the Mrs. Pitt, two amiable, sentimental maiden ladies who yielded to none in Bridgewater in their worship of the handsome Monmouth. Mr. Blood smiled and inclined his head, for he was on friendly terms with these ladies, one of whom, indeed, had been for a little while his patient. But there was no response to his greeting. Instead, the eyes gave him back a stare of cold disdain. The smile on his thin lips grew a little broader, a little less pleasant. He understood the reason of that hostility, which had been daily growing in this past week since Monmouth had come to turn the brains of women of all ages. The Mrs. Pitt, he apprehended, contemned now that he, a young and vigorous man, of a military training which might now be valuable to the cause, should stand aloof, that he should placidly smoke his pipe and tend his geraniums on this evening of all evenings, when men of spirit were rallying to the Protestant champion, offering their blood to place him on the throne where he belonged. If Mr. Blood had condescended to debate the matter with these ladies— He might have urged that, having had his fill of wandering and adventuring, he was now embarked upon the career for which he had been originally intended, and for which his studies had equipped him. That he was a man of medicine and not of war, a healer, not a slayer. But they would have answered him he knew, that in such a cause it behoved every man who deemed himself a man to take up arms. They would have pointed out that their own nephew Jeremiah who was by trade a sailor, the master of a ship, which by an ill chance for that young man had come to anchor at this season in Bridgewater Bay, had quitted the helm to snatch up a musket in defense of right. But Mr. Blood was not of those who argue.